All right, what's going on, everybody? Happy belated holidays. It's been a great Thanksgiving weekend. Or as the Canadians like to call it, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? <laughs> I came across that video on um, social media. I thought that was uh, pretty hilarious. Anyways, um, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron James. Thank you for joining me, whether live or on demand via YouTube, Instagram, your favorite podcast platform, or sharkcityhockey.com. And an even bigger thank you to all of the Shark City OGs and join the program out there. You were here since episode one when we launched the podcast back in late January this year, 10 months later. Proud again to announce that this is the Shark City Podcast, the official podcast of Shark City Hockey, proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. The Sharks took two L's to divisional opponents, Los Angeles Kings and Vancouver Canucks, since we last got together. Uh, the losing has officially become a streak, uh, stacked with the 8-5 and five loss to Seattle that we discussed the last time uh, we were talking Sharks hockey. Uh, man, Sharks hockey, what a thing lately. Uh, Sharks are headed on a four-game road trip on a three-game skid, so... Yeah, we're gonna dive into the last two games for sure. Um, so let's preview the show, and then we'll dive right into it. Why don't we? Uh, we're gonna recap and react to Sharks versus Kings and Canucks, as just mentioned. And um, you know, the Sharks played in the reverse retro sweater for the first time this season. So fair warning: there will definitely be some more reverse retro reactions to stack on top of the season-long protest. <laughs> Okay, okay. <clears throat> All jokes aside, this is more than likely going to be the last segment on the Reverse Retro 2.0 now that we've seen them in action. Um, there's been a lot of moving parts for the Sharks organization lately as well, so we'll bring you up to speed on the roster moves that has occurred in the past few days. And um, we are going to briefly preview the upcoming four-game road trip. Sharks are going to take on four opponents out of the Atlantic Division for the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, all that and some more in between will be in store for us right here on the Shark City podcast. All right. So um, Sharks versus Kings, uh, the buildup prior to the game, you know, um, the Kings entered San Jose on a three game losing streak of their own. Obviously, um, you know, there is some kind of like it's not going to be. How do I say this? It's not like the return to Brent Burns. Right. Or it's not like um, seeing Pavs come back. For you know when he first came back in the Dallas Stars sweater, uh, but nonetheless, ex Sharks Todd McCollin, uh, he was a Sharks coach from 2008 to 2015. You know he used to coach the LA Kings, so you know he's coming back to the tank. And the whole reason why I'm even talking about Todd McCollin is um, this is kind of a trippy uh, stat. So this right here is actually coming out of the uh, LA Daily Breeze. Um, there are four players remaining from his tenure, him being Todd McCullen. Um, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Mark Edward Vlasic, and Matt Nieto. Matt Nieto being the only player of those four to actually leave the Sharks but then come back. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of nuts to see how, pardon the expression, but um, that's kind of, you know... It's a trip to see that, um, you know, like just to see how how many players are lingering still from, you know, his time and his, um, you know, and his impact that he still has on the organization, even though he's now with one of our biggest division rivals. Anyways, um, 
yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. The Sharks, um, obviously, this big, this whole big celebration this past um, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, was, you know, flashback Friday to the Bay Area hockey scene in the 1960s and 70s. That's 67 to 76 when the California Golden Seals or the Oakland Seals, California's, I mean, you name it, right? They were called it. Um, you know, Sharks are throwing it back to the Bay Area hockey history here. Um, obviously, if you're a fan of this show, you already know how I feel about this. Um, so there will be, I'll save it for a little bit later on the program. There will be a little bit more uh, review and touch, you know, touching up on it now that we've seen the entire kit in action. Obviously, uh, just seeing the sweater by itself or seeing a video game rendering or even seeing some of like, you know, the gear and practice and photo shoots for uh, social media graphics. It doesn't really do, you know, the whole uniform uh, justice until you actually see it on the ice in action. So um, <clears throat> let's uh, get back into the game. So this right here is Friday, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. LA Kings are in town to face the 1974 San Jose Sharks. <laughs> All right, anyways. Uh, so right away, 42 seconds, everyone is thinking or everyone's making the reverse retro puns on social media since the Sharks allowed a goal. Uh, thank goodness uh, Coach David Quinn challenged the um, – the uh, play for potential offsides and it was overturned. So hoorah, the Sharks are now two for two on the year on coaches challenges uh, via Sharks PR on Twitter. The last challenge for the Sharks was on October 23rd at Philadelphia. So uh, Coach Quinn was able to erase what have been a very um, pretty demoralizing way to start the game. Not that it mattered in the end results, but uh, Hurdle, Meyer, Barabanov, they looked pretty good on the power play um, early on. Um, but before we get there, you know, pretty much, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of some, you know, good neutral zone play, I guess. Um, you know, they played like really good deep in the offensive zone. Um, that first power play was awarded. And I, I just like the way that the top, you know, the top line was kind of producing. Uh, they're just threading the puck through tight passing lanes. Um, obviously, EK65 was doing that all game long, like just like summoning his inner Jumbo Joe Thornton. But anyways, um, you know, Hurdle has some solid passes too. You know, he passed the puck between the legs of like, I don't, you know, pardon me for not knowing the Kings defender's name right at the top of my mind here. But um, he found Meyer in the faceoff circle across the slot for a nice one-timer. Um, and then Lil Couture, like, you know, he just, again, this is just early off in the game, like first, you know, like five minutes or so. Um, I just loved how he took up real estate in LA's goal crease uh, during the man advantage, not giving Jonathan Quick, um, you know, time... Not, you know, not letting him settle, so to speak. You know, making sure that he's um, staying pretty erratic in the crease. Anyways, um, last time, really quick, quick uh, side note here. Last time the Sharks, or excuse me, you know, last time, um, or last season, my goodness, spit it out. Last season when the Sharks played the Kings, that's when Timo Meyer uh, set his franchise record of five goals. Uh, so, yeah, he did that against the Kings, and it looked like he was really hungry for more. It really did. Um, then, then things kind of started to turn nasty. Uh, Sharks took a nasty penalty. Luke Kunin buried uh, Rasmus Kapari into the boards, giving LA a chance to respond in their power play. Uh, Sharks did a good job killing the penalty, but, um, you know, again, um, you know, shortly after, I mean, 
really quick, I think that even even though the Sharks killed the, the power play and then they allowed a goal just shortly after by Jared Anderson Dolan um, that gave the LA the 1-0 lead, obviously LA shut the Sharks, um, you know, they kept them off of the scoreboard for the first 20 minutes, but back to the point, um, you know, the Sharks look like they're about to surrender a goal. Like, obviously, they're, you know, on the penalty kill, so it's almost seems like a no-brainer when, you know, they have the man advantage. But, um, you know, James Reimer was previously beat. He got a little help from his friend, the post. And, um, you know, the Sharks were just kind of scrambling. They're able to kill that penalty. But, again, uh, Jarrett Anderson Dolan scores his first goal this season. Oh, yeah, keeping that trend alive in Sharks territory. Uh, against, against us for the Kings, taken into the whole, um, you know, locker room one to, um, excuse me, my, my apologies, um, not to the locker room, taking the early lead in the game one to zero for LA. <clears throat> so my bad. Um, yeah. So let me just kind of give my quick little tidbit here because obviously this game is on Friday and I really want to get more um, more a little bit in depth with the whole um, previous game um, so like let me just catch everyone up to speed here really quick but um, yeah like midway through the first period um, Arab, uh, Alexander Barabanov you know um, he takes a shot he had some trouble getting off the ice it was um it was actually unfortunate because right before that, I think he um he had the opportunity to like he had like a clean breakaway on Jonathan Quick and he was you know Quick was able to squeeze the pads together to save the five hole attempt but um a little bit like later on down into the period, uh, Alexander Barabanov took a shot and um, yeah you know had some trouble getting off the ice and it was very concerning for Sharks fans because um, obviously with Mario Ferraro and James Reimer. Uh, you know, this time of the year, the last thing we want is, and not that it's really going to help us much in the standings, but the last thing that we want to start seeing is our starting, um, you know, our starting forwards, defensemen, or even a goalkeeper start to drop. And that's kind of what's going on right now. But anyways, getting back to the point, thanks for um, staying for that, this thread. Um, so, yeah, um, Kevin LeBanc had a nice wrister in the slot. He scored his fourth goal of the year. Oddly enough, um, you'd figure that, you know, the Sharks would have taken control and regained momentum, hypothetically, you know, like um, like having, you know, you figure you get the score, so you get the boost, you get the energy boost, but it was weird because, like, LA Kings literally just, like, picked up the tempo and the pressure, like, sevenfold and just took the puck away from the Sharks. Uh, they were deep in our zone. And um, they were just on a surge. It, it, it was it was intense. It really was. Um, so it was a good thing that the Sharks were able to survive that. But again, with like two minutes and four seconds remaining in the first period, the Sharks were able to surrender or managed, pardon me, to surrender a goal. Um, Philip Denault, I think it was. Anyways. Um, so yeah, the new two or fewer strikes again in Sharks territory. So if you uh, missed out the last uh, episode, you could check that out at sharkcityhockey.com. Um, we were speaking to fans on social media, and that's something that we were kind of delight delighted to discover. Um, previously, two or fewer was if the Sharks could hold uh, their opponents to two or fewer goals, their um, likelihood or their chances of a winning increase. 
Um, apparently this season, the new two or fewer is the Sharks allowing goals, allowing goals uh, within uh, two minutes or fewer remaining in the period. So, you know, that strikes again. Uh, our fortunes were reversed in the second period. So let me get to that really quick. Um, so the second period against the Kings, uh, South the Sharks out there wearing the reverse retro jerseys, all white uni. Um, really strange to see the Kings playing in their like home sweaters, essentially. But it is what it is. Uh, the second period brought us back Alexander Barabanov. Thank goodness. Um, so it was a good thing that he came back. And that shot that he took to the body didn't keep him out of the game because uh, he scored the only goal for the Sharks in the second period. Um, yeah, so a little bit more than just like, I don't know. I forgot what the time was on that part of me, but all I remember is that overall it was more of a uh, period to forget. Sharks were not impressive with puck control or offensive pressure outside of being on the power play. Uh, Mario Friaro, he got banged up, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he continued to play, which is honorable. It is, but it's, it's pretty obvious that the guy was like um, fighting through the second period. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel for the guy. You know what I'm saying? Because for for some reason or another, you know, praise. He was, you know, he was praised to be like the def the next defensive prodigy in San Jose, so to speak. You know, they were definitely uh, counting on Mario Ferraro to be the one to like fill the shoes of like Brett Burns and maybe even potentially Carlson. But um, I mean, personally, and I don't mean any disrespect, but you know, I wasn't so much convinced quite yet. I seen the potential. Um, top two D, I'm not too sure. Top four is where he belongs. But uh, back to the point. Uh, it's a little concerning because, you know, the amount of times his shins like last season were finding the puck, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, he, he's been excelling, excelling at blocking shots. Only if there was an award, you know, for the, at the NHL for blocked shots, he would definitely, you know, lead every single season. But, um, yeah, it's kind of tough to see him have the very slow start that he's had this season. And um, especially when the Sharks kind of like – are going all in on him, right? Anyways, um, but yeah, I just I just don't understand why why play through it if you're hurt. You know what I mean? If you're hurt and, and you're banged up, then get off the ice. Just get off the ice. Anyways, but Marafaro is a warrior. I mean, I, I kind of I understand. You know what I mean? I know what it's like when um you know you're just trying to do what's best for the team. You know what I'm saying? And he's soaking up a lot of those minutes. So. Anyways, uh, less than five minutes ago in the second period, a shot from the faceoff circle just squeezes through the right, uh, through the body and the right arm of Reimer. Uh, many people, including myself, um, you know, thought that he should have had a save, perhaps, on that shot, given that it was like maybe more than fifty feet away. But in all honesty, um, I think you know, I mean, in all honesty, like I mean, I know, I know he technically did not make the save, but I mean. He, he did put his body on the puck, right? It just so happened that, that the power of the blast was uh, carrying, you know, it had enough momentum to, to squeeze the puck through, like, the crevice of his equipment and his body, right? Like, literally trickle in through the net like it was some kind of, like, a highlight real action play from, from, like, a video game. Like, seriously, like, just the way he just, like, like danced, and, like, tippy-toed across the goal line. Anyways, but, um... <sighs> 
I don't know if that one's really on on Reimer or not. I mean, you could say he could have been in a better positioning, maybe a little bit more to the right, uh, maybe take a little bit more of that net away from his blocker side. I don't know. It just seems to me that like he, he made the save, and yeah, I mean, maybe the puck could have hit him in the chest if he was a little bit over to the right. Okay, okay, I get it, but yeah, I know technically he didn't make the save, but he definitely put his body in front of the puck is all I'm trying to say, and that puck was just determined to find its way into the net, and you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. Uh, anyways, the Sharks didn't have the best 20 minutes, uh, but little... With uh, with a little less than thirty seconds, as we mentioned previously, you know that the two are fewer reversed for us on reverse retro night. Uh, so thirty seconds before the second intermission, Alexander Barabanov he intercepted an ill-advised pass right on the top of the goal crease and just one timed it past Jonathan Quick. Um, so that lessened the workload, starting to go into the third, which is pretty sweet uh, for the Sharks as they went to the locker room down three to two. Um, yeah, so Sean uh, Dursey was a doozy. I know that was a lame dad joke, but it is what it is. Uh-huh. With getting that primary assist. Um, but yeah, uh, talk about awareness and accuracy, in my opinion, from Barabanov. Uh, so, you know, things were looking good. Things were looking good going to the third period. And then, uh, you know, less than three minutes in, L.A. gets another insurance goal. James Reimer gets beat five hole. And I'm not an NHL caliber goaltender, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm certain that if he had his stick on the ice, it would have stopped that puck where his pads fell to. That's just what I'm saying. Anyways, um, the Sharks had to pull the goaltender with like three minutes left to go in the game, and there's actually a pretty solid chance to you know come back. Uh, Thomas uh, Tomas Hurdle missed burying the puck because shot went off the face mask of some like Kings defender <laughs> who's just laying in front of the crease. Man, um, but yeah. Um, Sharks lost the game. Uh, they were two eight and three, I think, at this point at home. Uh, Kapokakinen got both of the wins, which means James Reimer hasn't won a game in San Jose for twelve consecutive starts at home. Uh, that's a trip. Like actually, that one right there really like uh, it makes you wonder. I mean, the Sharks overall have not had success at the tank this season. So you can't just put it all on James Reimer, but it is kind of um, definitely, um, you know, it raises an eyebrow uh, when, you know, the guy who's supposed to be your number one goaltender cannot get it done at home. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really don't know what to think about the game um, so much as far as, like, I think Logan Couture said it. You know, um, they are finding ways to lose games. I mean, yeah, that sums it up. Nothing that says it all. And, um, you know, James Reimer, obviously, James Reimer was suffering from some type of lower body injury. So um, last time we got together when the Sharks got smashed in Seattle and they lost 8-5, to five, uh, James Reimer did not make the road trip. He was put on the injured reserve listed under um, a, having a lower body injury. And... You know, there's this whole, this whole, like, um, supposedly this, like, like leading up to the game, there's this whole, like, buildup of, like, oh, who's going to be the starting goaltender in net? Is it going to be Kakinen? Is it going to be Reimer? You know what I mean? I personally was, like, it's obviously going to be James Reimer because when you look at all the social media, um, like, 
um, releases, like all the press releases when they were doing this whole like uh, seals build up for the practices. James Reimer had the uh, the paint, you know, he had the mask. Obviously, he's going to be in net. Um, I don't know if that even constitutes anything. That's just you know, that's what I that's what I picked up from from all that stuff. Anyways, uh, but it's pretty obvious that you know he was still still not so um you know he was he, he just wasn't a hundred percent he wasn't a hundred percent it is what it is um so let's just revisit his stats really quick or listen before we get into that let's just revisit the overall stats so the sharks um you know they had 31 shots on goal la kings had 29 uh sharks uh, did fair in face-offs uh, circle with 48 uh, percent wins uh, really what hurt them was the Special teams this this time around, um, they only were able to kill one of the two uh, penalties that they committed, and they were unable to score on three power play opportunities. Um, they laid the body, which is nice. Uh, Eric Carlson, man, he was he was pretty physical too. That was that was that was a beauty. Um, obviously, the Kings put more bodies in front of the puck. Twenty three blocks on sh- uh, block shots. Um, and the Sharks was kind of killing them, and we'll get into that, especially this next game, but the giveaways. Ten giveaways, man. Come on. Anyways, uh, just to recap the scoring, Kevin LeBake scored his fourth of the season in the first period. Uh, that was assisted by Timo Meyer, 10th of the season, 10th assist, and Tomas Hurdle, 16th assist of the season. Um, obviously, the Sharks, um, you know, Kevin LeBake, I personally think, and I don't want to start like, you know, some other kind of like gossip trade rumors, wannabe stuff here. But like, I think Kevin LeBanc, especially with his contract, is uh, one of those players. A lot of people are focusing on Eric Carlson, Timo Meyer right now, but I think Kevin LeBanc is a sleeper, like a sleeping transaction. Okay. Like, that's one that's going to probably go down the trade block a lot sooner than EK65 or uh, Timo Meyer, in my opinion. Anyways, but yeah, fourth of the season, uh, Alexander Barabanov unassisted, obviously with that uh, takeaway. Um, third, he gets his third of the season. Um, James Reimer, just to kind of um, get back to the whole reason why we're visiting this, uh, the stats in the first place. Um, not his best night, so he allowed he allowed um, four goals. By the way, the final score was a uh, five to two. Um, obviously, one of those is an empty netter, uh, but he allowed four goals, uh, so 0. 0.857 um, save percentage. Just, just you know what I mean? It just wasn't his night. I've seen some fans out there say that they could tell he was 100% because obviously, you know, he okay, here's the thing about James Reimer that night is even though the Sharks were down, like, and they're down really bad, um, he was still, like, making some, like, Post to post, end to end from crease, you know, one side to crease the other, like saves. And sometimes, like, some like flashing the lever, like highlight, like doing the splits and, you know, stealing the, you know, the shot away with the glove type of, you know, highlight reel save. All right. Like getting fancy with it. But, um, you know, he struggled. Some, some fans I noticed they point out there that he struggled where he struggled was like, you know, where they had him classify that lower body injury. Like, he struggled with like you know between the pads, uh, you know like trying to make um saves like when he had to do butterfly, so to speak. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I don't think my. I don't. I don't know if my eyes are that equipped to you know really see the uh, 
the difference with the you know having to look through all the goalie pads it's one thing when it's like you know ferraro or barabanov because you know you can see you can see it's very visible but when you have the goalie pads on there um sometimes you can literally like i don't say you can mask an injury but um you know it'll be a lot harder to pinpoint exactly where the um you know exactly where this whole uh, problematic um issue is occurring anyways um yeah so let's see if i could just get some more stats and if not we're going to move on here really quick so um just oh yeah so that's it um i mean obviously the kings lit you know they they lit us up with five goals but we're not even going to talk about who scored the goals for them what for all right um so yeah that was the game for the sharks obviously they haven't uh, up to this point they still i mean even now they still they've only have two victories at home and um you know one was an overtime victory the other one was um a regulation win um by the one most recently so uh, i guess the sends but anyways um so that being said let me just take a brief moment to um thank everybody who's been listening at the top of the program and to also welcome all of those of you who may be um, joining us now i am aaron james this is shark city podcast uh t- we are talking about the last two games for the San Jose sharks right now we just finished recapping and reacting to um, the San Jose sharks hosting the la kings for the reverse retro night uh, coming up right now are going to be my thoughts on the reverse retro promise this will be um, more than likely my last review of the reverse retro. Um, obviously you already know how I feel about these jerseys out there. I like much of you out there do not care for them. Um, nothing against anybody that does, you know what I mean? For each their own. Um, so I'm going to go into it a little bit more later as to why, uh, uh, excuse me, not later coming up right now, a little bit more later after, um, you know, the final rant, I guess, is we're going to jump into uh, reacting and recapping, or recapping and reacting, pardon me, to the Vancouver Canucks game. It's going to be a lot of reacting, to be honest with you, with the way that game went down in overtime. Oh, man. Um, And then, you know, we're going to close the program by um, just catching up. There's been a lot of roster moves in, like, literally 72 hours. So I think it's worth like just kind of uh, revisiting these transactions and um, previewing the four game road trip that we're about um, that we're on right now. Like literally Randy Hahn just posted um, on Instagram a few hours ago, you know, pictures from outside of the uh, air shark. I think that's as they call it. All right. Um, So again, thank you to everybody who's watching live, whether you're on YouTube or Instagram. Um, I'm Aaron James. This is a Shark City podcast. And, um, you know, in our bio for the video and in our social um, media bios, you can find our link tree. And on our link tree, it's literally everything that you could, um, that Shark City has to offer and then some. So, uh, you know, be sure to check that out as well. Uh, when in doubt, check out sharkcityhockey.com. All right. Enough of the plugs. Uh, before we get into the reverse retro, I want to start off with a really cool note. Um, you know what was really nice about the um, 
the game. It was the uh, the organ player seems to be finding his sound. So, um, obviously, the you know they haven't quite. Um, I know you all been hearing the keys being played even after the puck has been dropped. So obviously we still got to get the timing of that down. But what's nice is that the organ player seems to be finding his sound. And what I mean by finding his sound is, <laughs> okay, I personally think that it's going to be real tough, tough, um, tough gig to follow that like original shark take organ sound. If you don't know what I'm talking about, search it on YouTube. All right. But, um, the new organ player is Kevin Seal of Seal Party. All right, he's um, the new Sharks organist. Uh, if you didn't know, we took to social media to post the news of the job opening that was listed on Indeed, and um, Kevin responded days later and introduced himself to Sharks territory uh, via our Twitter page at Shark City Hockey. Uh, you could follow him on Twitter at Seal Party Six, but uh, Kevin Seal is the new Sharks organist and, um, you know, Bravo Zulu, man. I, I, I love, I love the new sound. Keep bringing us that hockey atmosphere. I mean, we've been craving it here in Sharks territory. All right. That tank needs, um, an injection, right? <laughs> it needs, it needs some kind of, it needs something. And I, I like the direction that the, um, you know, the, the keys are, are, um, playing towards or the notes that they're playing because uh, again, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you, at the beginning of the season, it could, you could kind of tell that like, you know, um, you know, we're trying it out, trying to find that sound, trying to get that vibe. And I, I could hear it. It's a slight little adjustment in tonality and a slight little adjustment in like, you know, the keys, but um, our, anyways, I'm not going to act like I understand music so in depth, but you know what I'm trying to say? You're finding that signature sound. And that signature sound is going to eventually become the signature sound of the Shark Tank. So I'm super excited. Anyways, once again, uh, that's Kevin Seal of Seal Party. You can follow him on Twitter at Seal Party 6. Now, moving on to the reverse retro. I'm going to try to keep it simple this time, all right? I'm going to, all right, I'm going to try to break it down with just three, three thoughts. Oh, thoughts is probably a little too vague. Let's just say three overall points, all right? Because, all right. I want let me let me show. So here are my three thoughts on reverse retro night in San Jose. Number one, for those of you who didn't know, the California Golden Seals played their last ever NHL game April 4th, 1976, and they beat LA. So that was kind of cool. It was kind of cool that, like, you know, I mean, hypothetically, that you know, this feels um, you know. Like, you know, the Bay Area hockey scene returns with the last team of face. You know what I'm saying? Like, I say hypothetically returns because, or you already know how I feel, right? Um, the Seals' history belongs to another organization. But let me just stick to this point. It was actually pretty chill that hypothetically a Seals' first game back being played in the NHL, it was also the Sharks. Right, but they're throwing it back to that franchise. It was pretty cool that their first game back in the league, or at least that um, you know that template, that uni, that kit, is played against the last team that they face, and they beat LA. So that's what's up. 
All right, so that's my first thought. All right, not too bad, right? Not too shabby. <laughs> uh, here's where we're probably going to start to um, disagree. Um, or maybe even, who knows? Maybe, maybe some food for thought. Uh, so here's my second thought on Reverse Retro Night in San Jose. Why are the sharks so persistent to be synonymous with the Bay Area? Like specifically, it feels more or less like the San Francisco Bay Area. Like what is wrong with San Jose history? What is wrong with being the team that represents Silicon Valley? The city of San Jose has a higher population for, I mean, there are more people in the South Bay, if you want to call it that, than there are in the city by the Bay. All right. But th this is what really concerns me. All right. At times, not all the time or often, but at times when I see stuff like this, what concerns me at times as a San Jose Sharks fan and as a San Jose native, I think that's the key one right there, as a San Jose native, is how often um, the Sharks try to give a nod to the Bay and like how, yet, like how often I hear stories of how they're at odds with their own city. I mean, that's just, that's just facts. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm just reporting what's out there. I'm not making anything up here. Uh, case in point, uh, San Francisco 49ers. All right. Now I understand that the whole campaign is barrier unite, but honestly, like the jerseys that they're handing out for free, they kind of look like Detroit Red Wings in my opinion. And honestly, like if you're a 49ers fan, of course it's nice to see the logo on anything, but to see it as a Sharks fan on new threads that are till head to ankle, it just looked really odd and out of place during the warmups. Um, there are some fans out there that bring up a really significant case in point two, that being that the team that, you know, that these uh, Sharks are honoring and, you know, wearing their logos, like, have they done the same for us? I mean, to be 100% honest with you, like, you know what I'm saying? Have they? And... Again, I'm a 49er fan, so I ain't trying to put any hate, all right? I'm just simply saying. And what was really a trip is when you looked up 49ers on Twitter that, that evening, um, the San Jose Sharks were, were all the top tweets. When you looked at the 49ers on Twitter, the San Jose Sharks had more tweets in the search results, at least, right, than the 49ers had of their own. Uh, now, just to clarify, I, again, am a San Francisco 49ers fan, all right? And... You know, having said that, you might be thinking that I may be biased. You would figure I'd be leaning toward this is a very favorable, like, mashup for me as a fan personally, right? But honestly, I wasn't feeling it. Just as much as I wasn't feeling that video that was kind of awkward having some of um, the star players on the red and gold team try to pronounce the name of some of the players on the teal and black team. I don't think it's very favorable or entertaining, in my opinion. And I, I mean, sure, my get a giggle or a laugh. There are some elementary like nuances in there and whatever, but, and I'm not trying to seem like a downer either. I, I actually enjoy fun and parody some of my favorite stuff, but anyways, back to the point. Um, and I said parody cause you know, I giggle at ridiculous stuff sometimes too, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but the point I'm trying to say is, um, you know, I don't think any world-class star athlete wants to be put in a position where like they may, look like you know like they don't look very good trying to pronounce somebody's name um you know like i don't think any world-class athlete wants to be put in a position where they could like unintentionally like disrespect another world-class athlete 
Now, I know it was all for fun, and I might be blowing this out of proportion, but I'm just simply saying that, you know, as a fan of both squads, I wasn't feeling it, okay? That's all I'm trying to say. Um, so, yeah. And, again, um, oh, man. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the Sharks are trying to attract fans from the 49ers. And I'll get right back to the Seals because I know we're getting a little off topic with the, um, or a little bit further away from the initial um, topic here. But it's all kind of, um, it's all kind of, it all inter intertwines with each other. So just give me a moment to um, finish this thought here. But, um, Okay, so, you know, obviously the Sharks are trying to attract fans from that fan base. You know, they're trying to attract fans from the 49ers and bring them, you know, from Levi's Stadium, you know, like, to speak metaphorically, into SAP Center, you know. And um, you're not trying to take them, obviously, but anyways, back to the point. 49ers warmer jerseys just look extremely out of place. That red logo with all tilt kit, and quite frankly, again, like, I'm not trying to, you know, start any kind of unnecessary whatever but i don't even think what i would say would even have that kind of impact anyways but um you know the intention of this of this part of this segment the point i'm trying to say is like hey you know fans have a have an excellent point out there when there's like bringing up the fact that it's not like the 49ers have more shark stuff it's not like they would out wearing till jerseys, right? That probably wouldn't because of the Jaguars. But anyways, um, back to hockey. All right. Um, I just, yeah, I don't see any NFL teams out there wearing Sharks colors when they're going to practice. And, you know, like, honestly, okay, honestly, I had to take that back. All right. I'm going to extend this segment a little bit further because I believe back in 2015 when they were doing the cleats for cause, not sure who the exact name of the player was. So pardon me at this point, but I, I just want to be fair. I want to, I don't want to sound too biased, but uh, there were some 49er players, uh, by the way, the cleats for cause was like, you know, they get to design their own cleats and auction them for a good cause and whatnot. But, uh, again, pardon the absence of information for his name, but he wore, um, what used to be the shark's secondary logo, people call it the Screaming Shark. He wore like the full body version of that on his cleats. That was like back in 2015, I think. That's the only time. That's the only time I've ever seen anything like sharks or their logo or image or anything like that on our neighbors here. So again, I just don't understand why the sharks are so persistent on trying to connect with the entire Bay Area when San Jose and Silicon Valley are rich with history. And lastly, lastly, um, you know, for some of you out there who are probably Raider fans, because obviously it's a Bay Area, this must be a huge turnoff for you. So I don't understand why you potentially risk losing the fans you've already established, because that's the one thing I love about San Jose Sharks. It's because I'm a 49ers fan. I have friends that are Raiders fans. But the one thing that always we're able to agree on bringing us together was the San Jose Sharks, the San Jose Sharks. So I get it, you know, one team's already in a different city, and that city happens to be one of our new, newest rivals where they reside. Um, but the point I'm trying to get at, though, is is just in terms of, like, awareness, you know, I, I don't know. I just think 
it's not worth the risk trying to like you know um attract new friends uh new fans and risk the existing uh you know ones you already have or risk risk losing touch or disconnecting with the ones you already have now again i'm not trying to like you know pull out fluff or you know whatever i'm just simply giving my opinion on the mashups and the um you know trying to throw it back to bay area history because that was the thing it's um you know obviously not sounds a sharks history it's dallas stars history so you know they were saying we're gonna throw it back to Bay Area history as a means to kind of just uh, sweep that technicality under the rug, so to speak, I guess. And a lot of this comes from the fact that being a Sharks fan, okay, again, we have over 30 years of history, and it's like, you know, we we want to do things, I don't know. Again, I really think there's a, okay, time out time out i don't want to go down the road of negativity if you really enjoy this sweater i don't mean to have this segment sound like i'm trying to like talk smack or or whatever okay because if it's for you then awesome i'm just simply trying to express why it's not for me all right so because uh, i know a lot of fans out there love this this sweater and i know that for some reason um espn ranked it like number one the number one best ranked reverse retro jersey <laughs> i don't know about that i really don't <laughs> Oh man. Anyways. Um but yeah. Um so again. Um you know if you are a part of the fan if you're if you are in the portion of the fan base out there that really enjoys this, um that's cool. You know what I mean? I know a lot of you out there, you know, you guys are fans and there's nothing that this team could do that could kind of like, you know, do anything wrong, so to speak. You know what I mean? And, you know, like criticism is sometimes maybe even filtered because the love of the team is what dominates. Right. And that's cool. I get it. I do. Um, not that it matters like to you out there, but I think, you know, collectively as fans, when you take each individual or personal person's like value or experience on the product being the sharks, right? And um, like, you know, if you were to put those together, I feel like, you know, for most fans, including myself, you know, they feel like they've invested in terms of energy, time, obviously money, uh, having been to so many games, having bought so much merchandise, having bought so many jerseys, especially in the past few years, um, but yeah, so many home games, preseason, regular season, postseason. All that to say is, you know, if you love the jersey, that's awesome. But for me, I would have loved to see the Sharks reverse it back or throw it back to a time in the last 30 plus years that reminds me of all the times that I spent at the tank. Anyways, um, I mean... You know, some of these memories I have, some of these moments were like at my local, like my favorite local bar or restaurant or, you know, wherever I chose to, you know, watch the game at that time. And, um, you know, all I'm saying is maybe the reverse retro could have played off of one of the jerseys from like, you know, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s. But to throw it back to like 1974 to a team that resided in the Bay Area, but essentially is part of Dallas Stars, to me, just makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? And and if if you're so determined to give a history lesson to Bay Area hockey fans, at least give them the complete history, right? And let them know that the defunct franchise history is a part of Dallas Stars organization. 
Now, I know the same could be said about those Minnesota Wild jerseys, you know, North Stars, Blondes, and Dallas Stars as well, but I don't care about the Wild or the Seals. I'm a Sharks fan, all right? So I try to keep it as, uh, try to keep it as um, you know, fluid and as rational and logical as possible, all right? Uh, so my third and final thoughts, thank goodness. For... <laughs> and thank you for, uh, you know, keeping, uh, you know, sticking through with, with this segment. But my third and final thoughts on Reverse Retro Night is, um, you know, the jerseys look amazingly plain. And the whole uniform, for me at least, is just a little bit of a cringe because it is throwing it back again to that franchise that abandoned the Bay Area after years of playing in an empty arena. I mean, the Sharks promo video on social media literally has a line saying that they used white skates as gimmicks to attract fans. And I feel like they should be flirting. They shouldn't be flirting with history like that, especially with the turnout of games now. You know what I mean? I mean, gimmicks is, I mean, yeah, if, if you guys start pulling out gimmicks, that's, that's tough. You know what I mean? Uh, right now, like the biggest gimmick like with this game are the giveaways, you know, I might have to get in on this new trend, but anyways, uh, <laughs> after saying all that, um, you know, again, if you're one of those diehard sharks fans that just love growing collection of jerseys and yeah, this is pretty much exciting, right? Uh, those reverse retros did look nice to watch during gameplay. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. You know I mean? It was cringe for me. I didn't care for the yellow. Or how plain he looked. But it did look nice. Like the action. Like as, you know, when they're in movement. And I have a theory why. I'm about to share that with you. So those reverse retro jerseys, they did look nice, right? During the gameplay. And I think that is because it was nice to see some contrast or some breaks between the color schemes. Because in these home games, we've been seeing all till head to toe. So I would say that the reason why those 1974 Stars throwback jerseys were so pleasant or pleasing to the eye or pass the eye test, if you want to use that uh, generalization, I guess, is because it's a lot more pleasant to look at than the all-till home kit. So I beg the question. I mean, what do you think? I'm thinking maybe the Sharks, and I've been a fan of this for a long time because I actually liked it back in the day when they did this. I think they stopped doing this um, after the lockdown of 2004 and five. I believe after that lockdown is when they uh, reverted it to the new um, color scheme for home and away. But back to the point, um, I think the Sharks should start playing or start wearing the white sweaters at home. And I think they should do that because they're the ones that are the closest resembling uh those inaugural white sweaters, those original home jerseys, right? Uh, the ones that Sharks fans have been asking for for the longest time. Bring these back, right? Don't know why they couldn't do reverse retro on that. You know, they uh, easy opportunity to do reverse retro on that and like make it an all black version, right? The one that never was actually officially in production. Um, but I don't know. What do you think about the Sharks fans? I mean. With the current uniforms, with the way they look, I'd be down to adopt the white sweaters at home and wear till on the road. But that's just me. I'm pretty sure I sound alone on that one. But all right. So that will be the last you hear from me about the reverse retro moving forward for the rest of the season, with the exception of saying Sounds like Sharks played their other reverse retro game. Oh, and 
with the session of this stat. San Jose Sharks are now 0-5 all time while playing in a reverse retro sweater. So the curse of the reverse last uh, last time around, two seasons ago, all right, did not win a single game in those gray reverse retros. Not looking so good so far. 0-1 uh, this season. All right. You know, this right here is probably a good time to take a quick break and, um, you know, listen to a quick message from our friends over here at DraftKings. I'm Aaron James. This is the Shark City Podcast, official podcast of Shark City Hockey and proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Oh, yeah. All right. What's going on, everybody? We're back right here on the Shark City Podcast, official podcast of Shark City Hockey. Wait, the Shark City Podcast official Man, that's a lot of uh, words. You could trip up over that real quick. Anyways, uh, proud affiliates of the Hockey Podcast Network. And um, don't forget to use our promo code THPN at DraftKings, all right? Um, for more details, check out the description in the episode uh, bio. All right, so moving on. Sounds like Sharks most recently and probably most, like, all right, like just most upsettingly played a game against the Vancouver Canucks in which in all honesty they literally in my opinion just gave it away. I'm pretty sure most of you out there feel the same way. But um we're going to dive into that really quick for some um you know some context here. All right, so um you know leading up into the game the Saudi Sharks, you know, the key players were doing solid. Um, specifically speaking, the captain, Logan Couture, he was on fire. He still is. Um, he had leading into the game, 11 points in nine games. That's seven goals with four assists. Um, Tomas Hurdle, he's not really producing as well as we were hoping he would. A lot of fans, we'll get into this a little bit later, right? But, um, you know, let's get into it now. A lot of fans are talking about how, you know, um, he just does not seem motivated to play on the ice. A lot of fans are starting to, you know, point out about how he was feeling, um, you know, before he got his eight-year contract extension here in San Jose. They're speaking of how, like, you know, he was talking about taking a lesser deal for a Stanley Cup contending team. So even though, you know, Tomas Hurdle and the Stanley Sharks front office worked things out, um, you know, um, in terms of like, you know, the contract, I mean, I'm not saying that he ain't going anywhere. Mike Greer says he isn't going anywhere. But what I am saying is, um, you know, Tomas Hurdle, obviously, if he was going to take less money somewhere else, he is interested 
and winning a Stanley Cup sooner rather than later. <clears throat> Pardon me. So that being said, you know, um, he's kind of like, you know, he's he's definitely racking up the assists. That's for sure. Um, and his last, so leading up to this game, the last game against Vancouver on, um, <clears throat> pardon me, on Sunday, um, he was on the six game point streak. He had a goal and six assists or yeah. So, you know, seven points through six games and Eric Carlson. I mean, enough cannot be said about EK 65, right? Six points in the last five games. So one goal and five assists, um, again. You know, he's had himself a pretty good night. Um, with the exception of maybe that last shift, which we're about to get into. Uh, Aaron Dell was called up for this game. He was the backup because James Reimer was put on injury reserve. And Capo Kakinen got the start. Mario Ferraro also was listed on the injury reserve. Uh, Scott Harrington was moved to the CUDA, you know, to compensate some of these uh, roster moves, bringing up Dell, etc. Uh, it was pretty interesting. So pregame, pregame, Drew Remenda was uh, interviewing Nick Bonito, and he was just kind of asking him, like, what do you think um, needs to be improved, right? And the question almost started to seem as if it was directed to, like, hey, Bonito, what do you think you need to improve in your game? But then as the, um, you know, as the question started to be delivered, it kind of seemed like a, you know, it kind of reverted to being like, what, which end up being the real question, what do you think um, you need to prove for you and your line, like you know, like in like an extension to the question and whatnot. So then Benito, which was a trip, because um, he really did deliver, you know, what I'm saying uh, right after this, but he shared that he doesn't see a need for much improvement on his line as they haven't been scored on much and so on and so forth. So what he's pretty much saying is, you know, they're doing their job. They are doing their job. They're playing their game. They're shutting down opponents. And I know a lot of fans out there are saying that Bonino uh, shouldn't be taking up roster time, that there are definitely um, different players that we could dress for him. I think just recently um, the Sounds of Mercury News was um, writing about like how much longer can the Sharks avoid dressing their younger skaters. Anyways, um, obviously... I don't think Bones would be replaced by one of the kids, especially since he's the assistant captain. But yeah, he says that his line doesn't need improvement. I don't know what y'all fans out there think about that, but uh, he showed up. He showed up that night. His line had a couple of goals. He earned two assists. He won 55% of his faceoff. <laughs> Benito had himself a solid game following that comment at pregame. Um, obviously, EK65 was amazing. Played a body, precision passing, great shots on net. Uh, the match was sort of a dud until the second half of the game. Not my words. If I'm mistaken, um, even Randy Hahn was like, if you decide to join the game during the third period, you chose a good time to. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Sharks surrendered the first period. Uh, they surrendered a goal in the first period, and then they were held off the scoreboard until uh, Luke Kunin used the force and scored this like wacky goal. It bounced off the back of his shoulder pads. A fortuitous bounce for the Sharks. That tied the game heading into the third period. Uh, Logan Chor scored his eighth goal in 10 games. Aye, aye, captain. With the blast from the top of the faceoff circle in the power play, that gave the Sharks a 2-1 lead. 
It made it into the back of the net with a little help from redirecting off some shin pads, to be honest. But it was nice to see, um, you know, the goal being the result of a clean faceoff win by Hurdle, who fed it back to EK65, who then gave it to the captain. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, after being up 2-1, to one, 3 minutes and 40 seconds later, Sharks were losing... Uh, after being up two to one, Sharks are losing three to two. Yeah, Vancouver scored two goals and took the lead away just four minutes after that power play goal. Uh, Luke Kunin would go on to score a natural goal, not one off of a body part, but off of the actual you know tape of his stick um, for you know his second of the game, and he tied the game for the Sharks with about five minutes remaining in regulation. And um, you know that was pretty chill. That was really exciting. You know, Sharks showing that grit, showing that determination. Um, it's a real shame how the game ended. It really is. Uh, Sharks lost in overtime, 4-3. to three. But it was that last sloppy, slow line change that made Sharks fans feel, not saying that's the reality or it's the truth, but it made us feel that it cost us the game in overtime. And um, not to say that anybody specifically is at fault because, you know, you play as a team and there is plenty of opportunities where the Sharks could have made something happen for themselves and not just leave it on, you know, um, three on three hockey. Uh, for example, um, throughout the entire game, uh, the San Jose Sharks. um You know what? I don't want to get to. I don't want to stack a negative off of a negative. So let's just kind of like. We will just share the stats rather than like you know um, start to give my opinions on it. But uh, you know the Sharks, uh, shots on goal were there thirty five. Uh, they they won the face off battle fifty six percent. They were one for one. They're hundred percent in the power play. Took advantage of the opportunities. Um. You know the only the only um, the only categories in which they were beaten in was giveaways, which isn't bad, um, and hits by like two. You know what I'm saying? Um, sharks blocked 27 shots. Um, I mean, Kapokakinen. Obviously, some better goaltending from him could have resulted in a victory. So again. Don't want to throw it on, you know, just that last line, that last line change. But I'm telling you, that's what it feels like. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Um, so, all right, Timo Meyer, it, it stood out, okay? What looked like in pass that was intended to go to Tomas Hurdle um, ended up becoming a turnover. It was just weird, this weird sequence. All right, so Timo Meyer, he had himself... A horrible overtime. Horrible overtime. Okay. Um, so, I'll get into that in a second, all right? Let me digress here. It's still This still kind of hurts. It's really frustrating as a Sharks fan to see it go down like this because, again, it's like, you know, Logan Chor said it. They're finding ways to lose games. Well, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Uh, so Timo Meyer intended to pass the puck to Tomas Hurdle, who I could assume was thinking that Meyer was going to dump the puck for um, a line change since it appeared that Hurdle randomly abandoned the shift. I'm just guessing here. You know what I mean? Uh, the miscue gave an, away an opportunity to continue offensive pressure, 
and perhaps set up a game-winning goal. You know, we'll never know. But personally, I don't think it was worth, um, in the end, like, I don't think it was worth Timo Meyer taking a sweet time to get off the ice to visibly project that he was frustrated by slamming his stick on the ice, uh, essentially holding up a line change and, um, you know, leaving Matt Benning and Kapokakin and left to dry and defend that game-winning goal in overtime. So, uh, you know, that, I just thought it was pretty weak, weak ending to what was a rather, you know, solid performance from the Sharks. It wasn't the best, but they definitely did not deserve to lose the game in such fashion. Um, you know, it's one thing if you're if you know, I understand if you're frustrated because you know because you thought you had a chance to continue to make the play, um, but you know, to take that to the bench, right? Take the frustration to the bench. Communicate that with your line mates when you're off the ice. Don't mean to sound like an armchair GM here, okay? Just Feel me on. I'm a Sharks fan, right? <laughs> this is all reaction right now. Uh, like, don't be sluggish. Don't move towards the bench, like looking down and out, slamming your stick all frustrated like this is peewee hockey. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, there's a game on the line. It's overtime. I mean, it's three on three for goodness sake. Anyways, I just thought it was really unfortunate way for the Sharks to end this weekend. Um, so let's break down the one minute and 12 seconds that was overtime last night. Tomas Hurdle had a clean face-off to set up what was the first attack of overtime, all right? So that face-off went deep into the shark zone. Uh, Eric Carlson fetched a puck, and he skated up and passed it to Timo Meyer. This is when we all started to realize that something was wrong, right? Uh, so Timo Meyer, you know, got the pass in the neutral zone. And again, I'm not a pro-level hockey player, but I would assume... Your options could have been to dump the puck, you know, dump the puck deep into the corner or in the zone. Yeah, I mean, I know three on three kind of changes the dynamics and decisions you make because obviously you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you try to dump and chase and you get beat and leave an odd man rush essentially the other way. But I didn't anticipate for him to kind of like reverse back. You know, like make a U-turn and go from the neutral zone, you know, like take the pus, take the puck past the neutral zone from across the center line and then make a U-turn back. I mean, ugh. anyways, my bad. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Anyways, let me let me gather myself here so it doesn't sound so emotional and all over the place. All right. Now to be fair, to be fair, Carlson. Did not put the puck on the tape of Meyer's stick. In fact, I believe it hit the side of his skate. <sighs> but, you know, Timo Meyer, he's an NHL all-star caliber player, right? He's supposed to, you know, he's this is contract year. He's supposed to be one of our top goal scorers leading into the season. And, again, I'm not an athlete. So it's easier said than done, right? But you think... You would think that he'd be able to take the pass and progress the puck forward rather than retreat. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Timo Meyer met pressure almost immediately at the blue line when he went backwards, and he kind of quickly passed it to Carlson, like to like you know like to escape, and um, you know Carlson ended up turning it over when he tried to. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's all good though. You know Carlson. 
Uh, you know, he was able to make it back. So Carlson passing the neutral zone after all that frantic play from Timo Meyer. That ends up becoming a freaking uh, two-on-one the other way. Carlson gets back. He shuts that play down. Um, they were trying to catch him. They are trying to get him a bite from one side. They are trying to split him. Um, they did split him. They had him in the slot. Uh, the Kings did. They were trying to get him a bite to one side so they get the one-timer. But um, when they tried to make that pass attempt, uh, he was able to get a stick. Carlson was able to get a stick on the puck and deflect the pass to shut down the play. So, um, you know, for some of the mistakes that are kind of being made out there early on in overtime, they were kind of making up for them as well. Um, so obviously having two defenders down deep with EK65 and making the play means that Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle are up near the neutral zone waiting for their 2-0 opportunity of their own, right? Um, so, yeah. So Carlson feeds... A clean pass to Meyer, who, you know, it's two on one. Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, left side, Tomas Hurdle, right side. It looks like they're splitting. It looks like the defender's committing to Tomas. Meyer had an opportunity to take a shot. That's all I'm trying to say. Meyer had the opportunity to take a shot. He had a clean shot. And if not a shot, like an opportunity to try to get it to Hurdle, something, throw it on the freaking net, right? See what happens. But no, again, he decides to skate backwards, turn around and do a U-turn. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, watching the game in real time, it appears if Timo Meyer was trying to do like a, I don't know, trying to do like a, a drop pass or hurdle. Not expecting them to run in, like, you know, run for the line change, which is pretty questionable considering that they're on attack deep in the zone, right? But, um, you know, I, I give it a second look. I'm not going to lie. And, um, I mean, Timo Meyer, he, he turned that puck over. That's what it looked like. It looked like he turned it over. Like, it looked like even though some people were trying to say he was going to try to pass it a hurdle, it looked like the pass was going to make it a hurdle regardless if he stayed on the ice or not. So, um, I feel like the puck, it had already been defended. It was already redirected. Um, so, in other words, L.A. made a pretty good defensive play. Or, another way of saying it is Timo Meyer turned it over again. And, um, you know, we weren't able to, we weren't able to freaking, you know, recover. All three men were able to get back in defensive zone. Um, or excuse me, my bad. I'm kind of getting all over the place here, but long story short. Um, yeah, Matt Benning was kind of left dry. I mean, there's really no way of seeing this more and more again, just turnovers. Um, it was just weird, man. It was just weird. I don't know. Um, just the way he left the ice, the way he slammed the stick. I don't know if he just didn't have no legs under him, you know, because he was skating out there for about 50 seconds already. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when you're a freaking hockey player out there essentially sprinting on the ice, 50 seconds is a marathon, man. Anyways, um, but yeah, it just looks like, you know, he was taking, I don't know. It just looked like he was taking a sweet time and just wanted to like be animated about how frustrated he was. That's all I'm getting at. And I didn't care for that. So I'll just wrap it up with that. Okay. Uh, again, in real time, it looked like he cost us a play, but getting a second look at it, it looks like he didn't really have a choice. It looks like he had to head to the bench because someone was already jumping on the ice. Now, had he got to the bench quicker, sooner, faster, Maybe that would have gave us more time to, you know, set our our players up and, you know, the defensive zone. 
But obviously Eric Carlson, he made his change, right? If I'm not mistaken, that was him. And, you know, Matt Benning, there was no way he was catching. There was no way he was catching that guy, man. Um, so, yeah. You know, there was a lot that the TV, you know, there's a lot that that went down that looked one way because the TV angle, right? It was whatever the camera captured. So, again, real time, it looks one way. Look at it again. Uh, take a second look at it. And you can see. You can see that the Sharks, you know, together, they exposed themselves. <laughs> And, um, yeah, they paid for it, you know. Uh, Andre Kuzmeco was already down there in prime position for the Kings, and JT Miller just, you know, set him up for that one-on-one capital. So, yeah, again, just a ridiculous change altogether by the team and um, just just kind of like a ridiculous, like a undisciplined um, line change by that whole first three-on-three line. So, yeah. Uh, general consensus from the fans. So I did take a social media for this, and the general consensus for the fans are that um, that um, like everybody essentially, I would say that you know they blame the team. Um, so I would say it's fifty percent are saying it's either Meyer or Hurdle. Twenty five percent are saying like like you can't pin it on anybody. Like no one's at fault. Um, some will say it was not the last shifts, but the last couple of shifts. So that's like the 25%. The other 25% out there, which is astonishing. We covered this in our last episode, the tank for Bedard crew. They're like, um, Hey man, this is all going according to plan. <laughs> the sharks are doing what the sharks need to be doing. All right, so yeah, there it is. The last two games in Sharks territory. Um, now we're going to enter a segment. We're going to be keeping up with the transactions here. We're going to try to. A lot has gone down in the last four days. Um, Aaron Dell, he's been pretty much called up and then sent back down to the Barracuda twice at this point. He's currently on the roster at the Sharks. He's on the road trip right now. Uh, James Reimer was placed on injured reserve for a lower body injury uh, just yesterday, uh, along with um, the day prior, Mario Ferraro, as we already have covered and mentioned. A few days back, and we covered and mentioned this too, that Nico Sturm was placed on IR as an upper body injury. But um, in the past four days, it's pretty much been Mario Ferraro and James Reimer on the IR list. And... Um, Scott Harrington, he was called up from the minors. He was called up yesterday uh, from the CUDA. And pretty awesome today. Pretty good news for the Sharks fans. Um, pretty exciting. Uh, Jeffrey Ville has been called up from the CUDA. So uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of um, you know plans Coach David Quinn has for the Sharks on this four-game road trip. But um, yeah. Let's get into that right now. Uh, so the Sharks play back-to-back -back this week. So they're playing tomorrow at 4 o'clock, same time on Wednesday as well. They got the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, it's going to be, let's see, the, I want to say, 44th. It's been the 40, it's going to be the 44th all-time matchup between the Sharks and the Montreal Canadiens. The Sharks all time against the Canadiens are 23, 15, 4, and 1. Um, let's see. In terms of all time 
playing at Montreal. Let me see if I could get that really quick for you guys. Um, you know what? I don't know if I have the stats on their more recent building. So part of me is I just do my thing. Um, yeah, there we go. Bell Center. Um, so yeah, the uh, Sharks. This will be the 18th game that they've ever played in the history of the franchise at the Bell Center in Montreal. And um, out of those 17 games, they've won nine of them. They've lost six, and they've tied two. Why is that not adding up? <laughs> is my math that off? No, okay, that's adding up. My bad. I'm getting approaching those later hours here. Um, yeah, so Sharks, you know, they're not bad when they're playing in Montreal. Um, in terms of Montreal and how well they're doing in the Atlantic Division, I mean, right now the Sharks, with the exception of Maple Leafs, are pretty much playing the bottom of the divisions for Atlanta, uh, in the Eastern Conference for the Atlantic Division. Uh, Canadians, after 21 games, are 11, 9, and 1 with uh, 23 points in the standings. Um, so I believe who do we got next? We got the uh, Senators after that, if not mistaken. Excuse me, the Maple Leafs. Obviously, the Sharks beat the Maple Leafs at home in overtime. Uh, these are going to be some interesting games. A lot a lot of fans think that these teams, like the Sharks and um, you know some of these other bottom divisional teams, they might be in the hunt and race uh, for Bernard yourself. I mean, case in point, Senators come to the Shark Tank and get smashed on 5-1. Uh, so Sharks will be heading over there to their house now. Uh, that'll be on Saturday, so... Just a recap real quick. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Canadians. 4 o'clock being San Jose time, all right? Uh, again, on Wednesday, so back-to-back, -back, 4 o'clock. Another 4 o'clock face-off time. That's some early games coming up um, this weekend. So back-to-back uh, -back this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 4 p.m. San Jose, all right? So Pacific Standard Time uh, for each one of these uh, games. Sharks will come back and... Give it another try against the Vancouver Canucks on Wednesday, December 7th. Um, and, yeah, that'll be goodness gracious, man. We'll see what happens, all right? We'll see what happens. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm still kind of a little sour over that, that loss in overtime. Um, so, yeah, Sharks all-time against Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, this season they won in overtime. Um, hard to gauge whether or not the Sharks are, um, you know, going to be the better squad this time around because each team won a point. But this will now be the Sharks' 57th all-time game. Uh, they're 26-24-5-1 against the Maple Leafs. Uh, when they face the Senators for the second time this season, it will become the 42nd game all-time. Sharks are 19-15-4-3 all-time against that squad. And then um, Sabres. That's that's a game I'm actually looking forward to a little bit, to be honest with you. Uh, Toronto, more or less, to see if it was um, if it was a fluke or if it was a real deal. If we could beat them, that's awesome. Um, Senators, I'm excited because you know we smash on them, and I'm assuming that they're not going to want to lose any of their um, you know whatever whatever they have, like wherever their position is in the race for Bernard, right? But um. Yeah, for the Senators, that's just another another game where I'm looking at it's like, all right, was it the real deal? Were the Sharks a real deal? Real deal or is a fluke? But what I really want to um, 
you know, what I really am interested in is that Buffalo Saber game. I don't know why. I just always feel like, um, like historically, like when the Sharks play in, um, in Buffalo, I mean, oh gosh, what is it? I think they're only like four victories all time. Like they, they, I think like, um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it's only four victories all time in the city of Buffalo, New York. So every time we're in Buffalo, I'm always like more in tune and more excited for those games because historically we don't do very well over there. Um, so um, seeing, you know, the first two teams that we already got victories against are, you know, seeing two teams we already got victories against. Eh, whatever. Uh, the Canadians, that'll be interesting as well. Obviously, out of these teams, the true test is the Maple Leafs. You know, they're the ones with the better record in the Atlantic Division. Uh, right now, they're like second. They're three points behind Boston Bruins. Um, but yeah, I I just wanted to see how the Sharks are going to um, handle this whole road trip. Obviously, James Reimer, um, I believe it was last reported that he is on the trip. So, not too sure if we could expect to see him play. I would say I expect Aaron Dell more likely to play a game than James Reimer. But, you know, only time will tell. Anyways, that right there is going to conclude the podcast. Um, thank you very much to everybody who's been listening um, from, you know, top of the hour. Uh, just a quick recap for all of those of you who may be joining late. This um, this episode in its entirety obviously could be found at sharkcityhockey.com. So feel free, you know, to enjoy it. Obviously, catch us on our YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe. That'd be awesome. Um, in tonight's show, we recapped and reacted to the previous two Sharks games against the Kings and Canucks. Um, I gave what will be my final review of the reverse retro jersey. Don't care for them. And... Um, you know, we just kind of were previewing this road trip coming up and talking about all the, uh, you know, all the roster moves have been going down in San Jose. Uh, so with that being said, I believe that's everything and or almost everything, at least. I'm sure there's more, but that's what we're covering here tonight. Uh, this is the 12th episode of the second season of the Shark City podcast, the official podcast of Shark City Hockey. Um very, very happy and excited to continue to, um, you know, connect with you all out there. So, you know, if you aren't already, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and um, and Facebook at Shark City Hockey. Um, so, yeah, that's enough words from me. I'm Aaron James. I'm signing off for the evening. Thank you, guys. And as always, let's go Sharks. <laughs>